My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a chicken. Bark, bark. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end where we'll explain them again. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. Uh, You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com. That's burnnoticed with a D. Or to our Twitter at burn noticed pod. I feel like we're we're really getting this intro down. Exactly. It's practice, I am told, makes perfect. I mean I didn't say it was perfect. I said we got it down. Those but are practice things. will make it so I just there. I never give out a hundred percent because you always gotta you always gotta keep reaching for the stars. If you ever get a hundred percent, you're still not done. I gotta get a two hundred percent. Exactly. Like funding for our book. Not our book. My book. Yeah, I have I have nothing to do with this book. You had nothing to do with the book. I mean, I'm sure I was your to muse, as an e-book. but I'm not getting cut in as your muse, so whatever. No. Who gives a crap? You get none of that money. <laughs> I think, if anything, the fact that you don't get the money is a really good incentive for our listeners to buy this book. Are you going to have it available to purchase outside yeah. of the Kickstarter? As an e-book, yes. Just no, no more physical copies. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, like this is the only time that we'll be printing it. The barring book is called us getting Road picked Trippy. up by a The book is called Road Trippy. It's very good. But in this episode, again, is called Comrades. And it aired July thirty first, two thousand eight. It was written by Big Daddy Nix and Jason Ning, who now is a writer and producer on Lucifer. Uh, Everything which is Brie connected. Loves. <laughs> it's not even that I love it. it like it's a fine show it's just like the one that I happen to be watching oh I didn't tell you last episode uh, based on a conversation we had I think during our Treadstone episode our bonus episode I watched the first episode of Succession today because I was just curious but and? I can't I can't watch it because unfortunately prior to watching the show Succession I watched um, Demi Adejuwebe's oh yeah version, the, like, of, the version of the theme song, uh, trying to win it's a kiss very from good Daddy. And very accurate. And so, but like they use the theme music a lot in the show, like as like they a do. you know emotional thing. And so, like literally every time I hear it, I can't stop myself from thinking, uh, trying to win a kiss from Daddy, and like it ruins every dramatic moment in the show. Here's the thing, again, not to get on too much of a like detour to talk about Succession, but the thing about Succession is that it is a drama show about people who should be comedy characters. So, oh, have you like, watched that it? Doesn't you haven't watched me. it either. No, I've seen it. I've seen, like, I'm, like, partway through season two right now. But yeah, I feel like it's, in any other show, these characters would be jokes because half of them are idiots. And a lot of, the show is kind of written like a comedy, but it's also kind of structured like a drama. So, like, yeah, the fact weird. that it's kind of ridiculous, that, like, doesn't bother me. It's like, oh, yeah, this is, it's, like, basically Arrested Development, but with actual emotional stakes and less jokes. But some jokes. 
So anyways, back to uh, burn notice. A different kind of show. Um, this week uh, was ep- uh, directed once again by our friend John T. Kretschmer, who still, and I cannot stress this enough, was the first AD on Dunstan Checks In. Anyway, the premise of this episode, according to IMDb, is uh, Michael's brother ugh, shows up to ask him to help a Russian woman whose sister is being held by Russian mobsters. And Sam tries to work a local agriculture source to find more information about Michael's handler. And yeah, that's accurate. It's not interesting. Uh, Let's dive into it anyway. It starts out um, with Michael reading the document that Sam got, or that he got from the spy last week uh, on a beach, like on a bench at the beach. I actually really love the opening shot to this because it's like shot from above and then like the camera like pulls back. So like... And kind of turns, so we just see, like, this twisty turning shot of Michael on a bench reading the document. Because it's really hard to shoot someone sitting and reading in a way that's interesting. But, like, it's a really cool shot. Yeah, that uh, was a solid opener. Uh, and I like that a lot. Because, yeah, it's, it's but it's just Michael sitting and reading, and Fee is with, with him. And the thing that he learns, Michael, from this info that he got last week, is that Carla's cover, when she was in Kurdistan, was that she was like an irrigation expert and later they say agriculture expert and that's basically the same thing but like so she was her like thing was that she was in irrigation and agriculture and that was how she was able to get into places this is implied to be important because usually if you have such a specialized like cover in one place you can kind of reuse it and repurpose it when you're somewhere else so they might be able to find her based on this information exactly yeah because like it means that you actually have to know something about agriculture and who's going to learn a lot about two different jobs other than Michael, who knows a lot about every job. Yeah, but Michael Weston's a special little boy. He's a special little boy. Anyway, uh, Fee tells him that he is being tailed by someone. Um, and so they try to get away. And then, like, Michael does this maneuver where he, like, jumps out of the car and then pushes a rickshaw in front of the car that's tailing them. And the the person who's tailing them crashes into it like an idiot, which makes sense when you realize that the person driving the car is, in fact, an idiot. It's Nate. Nate's, we have Nate now. Ugh. Ugh. Although I will say, so the spy voice over here is like, you know, you can tell a lot about a, the, who's tailing you by, like, how they tail you. And if they run into a rickshaw, they're clearly like an idiot. But it's like he pushes the rickshaw in front of the car literally right as the car goes by. I don't know how the best defensive driver gets around that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it feels like a cheap I shot. think a true spy would have seen him jump out of the car and known that it was would have seen him jump out of the car saw saw the rickshaw and thought ah oh, he's doing the old car in front of the rickshaw trick and put two and two together that's like week three of spy school no you're right absolutely fuck nate but yeah uh and so nate is pissed because like like everyone else in michael's life he did not get a call that things were back to normal and so he was just chilling in fort lauderdale um, but like, apparently he's doing fine in Fort Lauderdale, so he shouldn't be that pissed. Cause like, if anything, Michael, like telling him to leave Miami and forcing him to like get a new life was the best thing that ever happened to Nate because Nate has like a job now. But is the job in Fort Lauderdale? I feel like the job is back here in Miami, right? I don't know. 
But even then, he came back from Fort Lauderdale. Like, like a With big a theme of, of this episode is that Nate has kind of turned over a new leaf a little bit, and it's like less of an ugh, awful person. Yeah, it's true. He's he's actually not bad in this episode. Like, he makes like one or yeah. two dumb decisions, but they're like dumb decisions that most clients on this show make and are not like special to Nate being a ding dong. Yeah, like part of this episode is about rehabilitating Nate a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so I guess because the clients here, this is all happening in Miami. But yeah, like, so I guess I don't know how long he was in Fort Lauderdale. He came back from Fort I, Lauderdale with like a new lease on life and is like, I got to get a job. Although I kind of like, I liked the other idea better that he was just, that he drove to Fort Lauderdale. I was like, I guess I live here now. <laughs> I got a job. I guess I got to get a job now. But yeah, no. Uh, presumably it's back in Miami. But like, not only does Nate have a job, he also has a job. Uh, At the place where he works, there is this woman whose sister is in trouble with the Russian mob. Because of course, Nate gets like a normal day job and all of a sudden he meets someone who's in trouble with the Russian mob. You know, like you do in Miami. Everything in Miami is deeply related to organized crime of some form. I guess. And Michael, of course, does not believe that Nate has turned over any leaves. He's like, no, oh, I see. You want money from this girl. You want to get in this girl's pants or something. And Nate's like, no, I'm good now. I'm a good person. And we definitely believe him. And Michael just like kind of eats a yogurt at him. Although he eats a yogurt super fast. He takes one bite and then like in the next shot throws the yogurt away. That is the fastest consumption of a yogurt I've ever seen. Maybe it was actually, he didn't realize it was a flavor he didn't like. He only eats one flavor. We know this. It's like low fat raspberry. He was also trying to turn over a new leaf. He was like, you know what? I'm going to try a different flavor. And he was like, no, nah, no thanks. And that's why he doesn't believe that Nate has changed. He was like, mm, no, this yogurt is bad. People can't change. <laughs> I've confirmed with science. Anyway, so this girl, this Russian girl, uh, whose name is Katya, is at Madeline's, obviously. Obviously. Uh, she's, like, she's already there making conversation with Madeline, presumably. So her sister was in Russia and she was trying to come to America. And she got in touch with this guy named Ivan, who was like a human trafficker. And she was going to pay them, like, pay him $25,000 to come to America. And then they just grabbed her and then demanded $50,000. And, like, that was it. And then Katya, getting pissed about this, tried to attack him with a crowbar. Because Katya is kind of, like, hot-headed. That's her character. Mm-hmm. I so like that, though. I, I like a woman who takes action. Um, but Michael decides to take the case. And then Michael uh, meets Sam for drinks, and Sam tells Michael that he can get some info on Carla from um, this guy who works in local, like, agriculture, because if she's still doing agriculture, then, like, she has to know this guy. Um, sure. Because there's this guy named Harvey Gunderson, and he is the secretary treasurer of the like Agricultural Association of South Florida. He's also played by comedian Larry Miller, who like is in ton of things. You know Larry Miller. Yeah, he's uh, he's the hairdresser from the Princess Diaries movie, of course. That that's right. He is that. He's Carlo. I was trying to think of like what the biggest, like the most recognizable thing that Larry Miller is from. And, and it's the Princess Diaries. It, you know, it might just be that. He says the line about the boy moose. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure does. Uh, he sure does. Anyway, so Michael, uh, Nate, and Katya spy on, Katya spy on Ivan, who is just covered in prison tattoos. And they have this whole scene where uh, Michael explains each one of Ivan's prison tattoos and what they mean. And including, like, he has one, ta- he has, like, three skulls on him. And I guess that means that he's killed three people or something. Well, like, what, like, so he's, like, naming all these things off. Like, what does this page mean? What does the lucky number three mean? And what do the skulls mean? Like, I don't know, Nate. He's really into, like, <laughs> he's really into skeletons. His Halloween is his favorite holiday. That's what that tattoo means. You absolute buffoon. Yeah, they're temporary tattoos. It's the season. It's Halloween season. But yeah, all the point of this scene is to introduce us to Ivan and point out he's a bad guy because he's got a lot of tattoos and they mean things. And funnily enough, this scene was the inspiration for Blindspot. God, my mom was obsessed with that show. Blindspot, which is still on the air. It's been on the air for like five years. Yeah, remember when we had to watch it for school and all of us were like, the show is That's the thing that's crazy to me about Blindspot being on for as long as it has is because we... In our school, had to watch and write scenes for Blindspot when it had just begun airing. So the older the Blindspot, the television show, gets, just the longer it's been since we've been in school. It's so weird. Oh my god. It's not a good show. No, it's really not. Uh, The other thing we learn in the scene is that Katya... Uh, her hot head might get them in trouble because she's like, what do you mean he's a murderer? I have to go kill him now. Why are we sitting in this car? And they're like, Katya, you gotta hang on. Like, we ha- we, we gotta do spycraft over violence, Katya. Do you not know how the... Katya's like Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> she's always just like, oh, let me at him. Let me at him. I'll get him. <clears throat> not the comparison I was expecting, but all right. Yes. I've been thinking a lot about Scooby-Doo lately. Okay, I won't we'll go dive into, into that later. <laughs> anyway, so Sam meets with Harvey Gunderson, aka Larry Miller, who has expensive taste. Like, um, Sam is picking up the check for uh, this dinner, and Harvey knows it, so he is like buying every expensive thing on the menu. Like, this is Harvey's grift: is that he meets with people and like fleeces them for as much like free stuff as they can get. Um. And Sam keeps being like, um, hey, could you get me that list of agricultural experts? It's like, yeah, you know, we could just meet them. We could get dinner with them. And in the future, we could get dinner again if you want to get more dinner. Mm, nice dinner. It's a very fun scene because you don't, you don't often see Sam off his guard, like with someone who is sort of playing the Sam. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sam has to be the straight man in the situation, and it's very fun. And like... By the end of the meal, Sam has a $600 hangover and no names. And, and Michael is very upset because he wanted the names and also because Michael was paying for dinner. Because we always know who pays for dinner on burn notice. You got to keep these things straight. Otherwise, somebody might be ripping somebody else off. <laughs> exactly. Also, Fee tracked Ivan and also has no good news. Um, because it turns out Ivan is just the money guy. And while like they're doing one of these human trafficking schemes, 
Ivan, like, never sees the girls, and you can't follow him to the girls. So they decide that what they have to do is interrogate Ivan. So they're going to have to catch him and interrogate him. And Sam is really excited about this. Well, it's not even the the dress. I think he's excited about interrogation, because I get the sense that, like, that's his thing. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, because, like, he used to be, like, what is he, a SEAL or whatever? Or he was in CIA? Yeah, yeah, uh, like, both? he knows how to do this. But, like, he's really giddy and gung-ho about it. Like, just the whole... They never get to beat people up. Yeah, exactly. He really wants to beat some people up. He wants to also... hold someone hostage and, like, <laughs> take their humanity away. He lives for that shit. Worth mentioning right now, though, that this is just, like, the better version of the episode that we met Nate in. Because we also... Like, Nate... This is the second time Nate has gotten wrapped up in a human trafficking scandal. Of like this a is young true. Girl. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So like, but this is like objectively the better episode from the last one, and it's just it's very interesting how Nate keeps getting himself into situations where he meets human traffickers. I mean, Nate's a criminal. He's talked yeah. about that. Not only spies <laughs> know how to lose tails, also crime guys. Also um, crime guys. Uh, yeah, but and but since Michael and Sam are both going to have to play like interrogators. That means that Fee is going to have to capture Ivan alone. And she's like, oh yeah, I can totally do that. No problem. But when she tries it, there is in fact a problem. Because he is extremely big and she is extremely little. Yes. Um, Like, yeah, she like parks her car and like where he has his car parked and she's like putting groceries or something in her trunk or whatever. And she's just like, Bending over and being very suggestive well, no, and all she, it's, that. It's not groceries. It's like she she had gone shopping. And one of the things she had shopped for was undergarments. Because she drops oh. a pair of underwear, like lacy underwear on the ground. And that's what gets him to come over. Is He's like, oh, miss, you dropped these. And you have good taste. Oh, I somehow missed that. I think I was taking notes. <laughs> yeah, it's oh my God, very gross so... and funny. Yeah, it's, and so like, but... Amongst the undergarments, she has hidden a taser. Unfortunately, Ivan sees the taser. And so they get in, like, a fight, and then, like, Ivan is, like, holding on to her, and the voiceover explains that if you tase someone who's holding you, you will also get tased. But uh, Fee doesn't care and tases him anyway, and they both pass out. Luckily, Sam is nearby and can drag both of their lifeless bodies into a car. While exclaiming that Fee is one crazy chick. This is another episode of Burn Notice where one of the running themes is bitches be crazy. Well, at least it's bitches get to do something. That's true. Bitches get plots other than I love Michael Weston. But yeah, so they get Ivan uh, and Sam does some research and Sam does some research on Ivan and we learn that he's like from Russia. He's not just Russian, he is from Russia, but he's like working on the East Coast currently and like there's like a guy who is his boss here. In, in Miami and like he's like the Florida guy like Ivan's just kind of muscle um, and Sam has got all this information and he's so excited again he's so excited to get to use this information on Ivan and like and so they they get this whole big like fucking warehouse like and then like deck it out with like all these small they build these like smaller rooms in the warehouse so they can have like separate rooms to hold Ivan it's like a whole they have a whole montage of, like, building the place that they're going to dehumanize this guy in. <laughs> um, Boys who craft together they... stay together, Chris. 
Exactly. Because as he explains in the voiceover, like, the, the way that you get people to talk is to, like, basically disorient them and make them think that the only way that, like, they'll be able to see tomorrow or get free is, like, if they give up information. And then, so, and so while they're doing this, Fee, like, drives Ivan around Miami to make him think that it's a, he's gone a long way away. Um, they bring him back, they throw him in, like, one of their little rooms, and then Sam pretends to be some guy who is not CIA or anything. Like, he's just a scary government spook who's so high up that he's not from anything. And therefore and does not have ca- to answer to authority and doesn't allow, exactly. you know, rights to be taken care of. He calls himself only Uncle Sam. <laughs> which is nice. Um, but Ivan does not crack. And Sam, and so Sam thinks that there's no way that Ivan is ever going to crack from just interrogating it. The best way to get this information out of Ivan in the time frame that they like need, because there's only a couple of days before like something's going to happen to the girls, is if like he tells it to a, a cellmate, which means that Michael is going to have to be Ivan's prison buddy. Extremely good. All right, like as soon as that setup happened, I was like, "Oh my god, I remember this episode, and I love it." Yeah, and that also means that Nate is gonna have to be a prison guard, <laughs> um, because yeah, like because Ivan's they're running out get, of faces. Like, question. Exactly, Ivan's gonna question things if like this is a government facility that is run solely by Uncle Sam. <laughs> Yeah, so they give Nate a uniform that they bought at the uniform store, which is a thing that exists, I have been told. And then um, Fee beats the crap out of Michael so he can look like he got beat the crap out of by the government. And then Nate, Nate also like takes a crack at Michael, too, which Michael does not appreciate. <laughs> he goes, what? I'm being a team Nate's player. A... Exactly. Nate's turned over a leaf, but he still wants to punch Michael in the face. He's very mad about Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> we don't talk about Fort Lauderdale. So they put Michael in the in the tank with Ivan. And Michael's play is that he, instead of like trying to get Ivan to trust him, he's going to try to have it so that Ivan feels like he has to prove himself to Michael. So Michael's whole play is that like walks in and immediately he's like, you talked, Ivan. I'm a big deal. And you definitely talked. And like, I'm going to fucking kill your ass because you... You definitely are talking to the police right now. And I was like, I didn't say shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, you totally said shit. And they get in a fight. You have the, and, he says something like you have the face of a traitor because like he is not beat up like Michael is. Yeah, I do. I It's very serious and not at all funny, but I do kind of like this character of Michael, the like Russian mob guy. Who said just because he says stuff like you have the face of a traitor? Yeah, it's extremely good, and, and like this is one of the first aliases that doesn't really have his own unique voice, but definitely feels unique. Yeah, this is like one of the few aliases that is one hundred percent not played for comedy. It's true, and it's like that. It it makes for a really compelling episode. Like this is fun. This is an interesting dynamic we haven't seen yet. So yeah, and then they get in a fight, and um. Michael proves that he's Russian by fighting like a Russian. And then once they finish the fight, like a couple of 14-year-old boys, they get tired of fighting. And they're like, "Uh, so what do you want to do now? (laughs) We already did the fighting. They suddenly kind of trust each other now. Yeah. And so Michael explains that 
His name is Sergei Yablanovich, who was born in Russia but raised in America like he's on the Americans. And then he says that all the operations have been shut down using info that, like, like he's learned from Sam that all the information is shut down. And Ivan says, like, they couldn't have gotten information from him, like, like, from anywhere. And then he mentions, like, a restaurant or a deli. And then Sam and Fee use that to find the only place where there's, like, a cafe and a deli across the street from each other. And they're like, well, this has to be the place. And so they find, the like, a restaurant The only place there. in Miami that there is a cafe and a deli right across from each other. Exactly. Miami is, like, 14 square blocks. Like, that's it. <laughs> oh, do we not mention that? Yeah. And then one block is Crime Alley. <laughs> But yeah, so they find this restaurant that's controlled by the Russian mob, and and Fee looks at the, the restaurant with a thermal camera to look for like, like heat signatures from bodies, or and finds like a whole room that's closed off from heat signatures, which means that there's definitely gonna be people in there. Although there's so not. Into... Well, yeah, that's like, the twist. Spoiler alert! But like, yeah, that like nothing goes on with that, and also. They allow the Russian mob to continue existing. Can I spoil that right now? The mob is fine. It's just this one operation gets shut down. This feels very reckless to me. I mean, I feel like that ha- that's happened before in the show. Like, like Burn Notice is not a show about fighting systems. Like, <laughs> No, it's not. Burn Notice is very much a show that is pro-status quo. Like, that's the thing, is that, like, Michael, as a character, all he wants is to be a spy again and work for the government. Like, Michael, as a person, is actually very invested in the status quo and things working as they are, because that's what he knows and what he understands. Like, like he doesn't want to ruin organized crime, because organized crime is part of the life that he knows. Like, I think, again, we haven't watched all of this show. I don't know where it ends, but I'd be very curious if, like, towards the end of the show... Like, Michael's arc was learning that, like, this whole thing is bad. Yeah, I wonder. And then, like, he stops wanting to be a spy and starts wanting to be a revolutionary. (laughs) Because, yeah. But, yeah, so they go into this restaurant because they know that upstairs in the restaurant there's something hidden and it's probably people. And, which means that Sam, once again, this is a good... This is a good couple of weeks for Sam being a belligerent asshole. I think, like, once an episode, this whole season, Sam has been a belligerent asshole as a cover. It's so fun. I bet Bruce Campbell is having the time of his life. Yeah, they they have learned what to do with him, and they're like, we're going to do it as much as possible. And, yeah, also while they're there, they, they see the boss, whose name is uh, Takarov. He's, like, the he's in control of the Russian mob in Miami. And so, yeah, like... Uh, Fee sneaks away, and then, like, Sam gets all the attention of all the guards by, like, complaining about how bad the food is or something. It's like, I want to see a manager. I want to see a manager, all this stuff. And then while Fee goes upstairs to find the room that's been hidden, but it turns out there's not people there at all. It's computers for piracy. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of a dead end. It's for hacking the 2016 election, Chris. Oh, yes. They got in there early. Hey, guy who doesn't want us to talk about politics in this show, go off. <laughs> but yeah, so like Fee, and Fee like 
is just like, oh, I was looking for the ladies' room. And then the guy's like, ugh, whatever. No one seems to care. No, no one ever cares. It's like, and then it's like walking it, into the fucking consulate. Oh my god. It's fine. Everything is fine. Uh I guess when Sam is making a scene, no one cares about anything else. <laughs> they just want this loud asshole out. Yeah. But then like Fee comes back and then gets like real indignant and is like, leave him alone. But that's my father and he has dementia. I do like that her go-to here, instead of them being married, because they've been, like, a couple, like, multiple times, but now she's like, no, he's my daddy. This is my papa. Yeah, and then Sam's like, like, I'm your daddy? And he's like, yeah, I bet you never thought I would have said that. (laughs) Which I think was very appropriate for our show. Yes, for sure. That was, this week, this week, it's Sam that has all the daddy energy. Not that daddy energy is a concern anymore. Yeah, not that it is. I think it, it still is to us. To me, yeah. personally. Anyway, so, Hang on. after I all look this... Up the, I want to look up the age difference between Gabrielle Anwar and Bruce Campbell. Okay, Gabrielle right. Anwar was born in 1970. This is important. Can he be her daddy? And Bruce Campbell was born Oh, in Bruce Campbell 58. can be everyone's daddy. Oh, he for sure can. Yeah, okay, he would have been... Well, wait, no, no, he's only twelve years older than her, so he would have oh, been no. a real would have been a real young daddy. Wow, I think this is one of the few times in Hollywood where the age difference wasn't as much as we thought it would be. <laughs> All right, well, now we know that information. Let's continue. All right. Anyway, so Katya is pissed that things are taking too long, and she wants to like. Smack a bit. She's so, like, pissed off. And, like, and Nate made the mistake of telling her where the boss is, that the boss is at the restaurant. She's, like, wants to go there now and, like, kick ass and take names. And then Michael's trying to calm her down or whatever. And she's like, no, fuck you. Like, this is taking way too long. And then, like, Nate kind of pulls her aside and exclaims, explains that, like, she needs to just trust Michael because he's never wrong. And then that works. Kachi is fine. But also, like, Madeline was listening. And, like, she's so, like, happy that he said something nice about Michael. Which, like, it must suck for, like, obviously Nate's awful and we've made a lot of fun of Nate. But, like, it's it must, like, like suck for Nate that, like, she's, like, kind of guilt-tripping him for being, like, Hey, it's nice to hear you say something good about your brother. You should be nicer to your brother. Madeline is a very, like, surface-level person. So she's having these arguments with her sons as if they're little boys. Like, this is the thing that moms say to their kids when, like, they're five years old. And it's like, stop fighting with your brother. Like, be nicer to them. But, like, these are two grown-ass men. Madeline, you might need to get different standards. I mean, yes. Madeline has many problems. So Sam in character as Uncle Sam, not Daddy Sam, tells Ivan that they're moving in on his bosses, that this whole thing is mostly over, and that, like, he just needs to, like, give them a little bit more because things are mainly done. And then he puts a bag over Ivan's head and then plays loud techno music at him and then just lets him (laughs) stew for a couple hours, which is, like, 
awful. Like, this is a weird thing about this episode, is that, like, they make a point of being like, we don't torture. Like, torture is bad. Torture is waterboarding. Yeah, exactly. Torture is just bad. But on the other hand, like, throwing someone in a room, like, putting a bag over their head, playing loud music at them, controlling when day or night, like, making them completely dependent on you and, like, lose touch with the outside world and all of that nonsense, that's fine. It's fun. It's fun that we're doing this. Look how much fun Bruce Campbell is having dehumanizing this man. I mean... It's fine, because he's a human trafficker and he's a bad guy. Like, so it's fine that, like, Sam is having a lot of fun dehumanizing this man. Sam gets to have the upper hand with Ivan, but for a second loses it again, because now he has to go beat with Harvey a second time to try to, like, get any information out of him. Uh, And Harvey is once again running up a huge tab and giving Sam nothing. So Sam, getting tired of this, pretends that he's with the DEA and threatens to take away Harvey's, like, job basically. And then now Harvey's scared. But Poor, poor Harvey. Poor Harvey. I, I don't think he ever comes back, but it would be nice if he did, because I like Larry Miller. Yeah, he was very fun. He was, I mean, I liked that, like, they they were dealing with an antagonist who's, like, not necessarily, like, actively trying to antagonize them, but is just, like, trying to get his. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back in the world of Ivan and Michael, uh, Ivan tells Michael that he is the only one who knows about the safe house, Ivan is. And that if anyone else but him goes into the safe house, or if he doesn't show up at all, then his men are just going to kill the girls. So, again, that's how you raise stakes. That which, is how you raise is, stakes. Which is, this is partially Big Daddy Nicks. Like, for an episode that is, like, partially written by Big Daddy Nicks, um, I like this. It's, it's actually a very well-done episode. Yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Uh, it's not, like, that funny, but, like, I think, like, it's very compelling. Yeah, I think this but, yeah. is this is what Matt Nix wanted the show to be. He just, like, can't yeah. accomplish it on his own. No. And uh, not with yeah, Alfredo. So... No, not with Alfredo. Although I do think Alfredo might be a slightly better writer than Matt Nix, though. Maybe, but I think he's also a yes man, and I think he has, like, mm. bought in to the cult of Nick's. Oh, 100% he's bought in. Um, anyway, so now, like, that the girls are going to get killed, Nate is pissed again. Like, but Michael assures him that he's going to figure it out. And then Michael decides that what needs to happen is that Ivan needs to escape. And... And while they're, after they're talking about this, Madeline shows up and then, like, gets mad at Michael for being shitty to Nate. But yeah, she, then she guilt trips Michael for, like, leaving an abusive situation when he was a child because that made Nate worse. And so it's like, like, I'm sorry for, like, yeah, you left and now Mike, Nate is shitty. And you should feel bad about that. Maybe not the one who escaped the trauma is the problem god this show is so weird about abuse i I also feel like that's a matt nix thing a lot of like a lot of the matt nix episodes deal with like the abuse background and it's always weird it's always like acknowledges it's bad but then doesn't acknowledge who the bad guy is and like every single time the wrong person gets blamed 
Yeah, it's so weird. Anyway, we also learned that Nate's first word was juice. So, in case you were keeping track, and in case you need to update the burn notice wiki, we know what Nate's first word is. Nope. Anyway, Michael tells Ivan that they need to, like, escape, like, now. And then, and so he's like, he kind of rushes him, like, okay, we're doing this, like, now. Now, we got to get out, because, like, shit's going south. And so Nate shows up with a gun, and then Michael has to fight Nate and make it look like he's beating the shit out of Nate without actually, like, hurting Nate that much. And maybe get back at him a little bit for punching him earlier. And then, like... They takes the fight, like, out of the room and then pretends to sh- shoot Nate. And then unhandcuffs Ivan, and then they both just, like, run off. And then Michael demands that Ivan take him straight to the girls. And so, and which they do. They go right to the safe house, and then, like, the guys are like, who's this motherfucker? And he's like, it's Sergey. He's fine. We need to go. Yeah, it's Sergey. Like, Haven't you heard of Sergey? Yeah, don't you know about Sergey? He's... He's from Tampa. And he's like, we need to get all the girls out now. So they, like, put all the girls in a van. And then Michael tells Ivan, like, here, I'll stay. I'll go. I'll stay here with the girls and all your gun guys. You go tell the boss that they need to go. It's like, don't worry. Don't bring anyone else. I And don't worry about the girls. I have the girls. Just get away from the girls. It's me, Sergey. And. It's me, Sergey. I, I shot Nate. I mean, the guard. I mean, I don't know his name. <laughs> Who? Where are we? <laughs> and so, yeah. So, Ivan leaves. And once Ivan's gone, Michael and then eventually Sam and Feet, like, immediately disarm all of Ivan's men and then get the girls out of the van. What do they do with the men afterwards? That's never like wrapped up that's a good question um like they don't turn them into the police because if they turn them into the police then like something more would have happened with the overall mob i mean they also they couldn't let them go turned, actually they do say in this episode that the mob boss skips town do they i don't remember that part yeah yeah they say in the episode that the mob boss skips town it's entirely possible that they did turn in the men to the police because, like, the mob the mob skips town, but not before killing Ivan. Sure. Because, like, Ivan... the other option is that they just murder these five men because they've seen their faces and therefore cannot be allowed to live. That's also possible. And Sam is very excited about it. But, yeah, Ivan runs back through the boss and is like, hey, like, uh, we got to go now, like... Sergey has the girls, but you gotta like move because they're gonna come and move in on you. And then, and then his boss is like, "Sergey, who's Sergey?" And it's like, you know, "Where are the Sergei. girls?" And they're like, "He's he's from Tampa." It's like we don't have anyone in Tampa. And yeah, and then so they murder Ivan off screen, and skip. Yeah, down. a lot of a lot of murdering of the bad guy of the week off screen this season. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Michael and company have dinner with Katya and her sister. Uh, and then Michael says that, yeah, the Russians have skipped town and killed Ivan. And we also learned that Michael did crack three of Nate's ribs. So there was a bit of comeuppance for punching him in the face. Um, and then Katya says 
that Nate had told her that Michael was always right. And then, like, Michael gets all smiley about it. And it's like, no. You begrudgingly like each other. Anyway, and so at the end of the episode, like, after all of the whining and dining of Harvey, like, the only info they really get on Carla is a P.O. box. Well, and a last name. They didn't have her last name before that. I mean, like, it's a fake name, but it's like, yeah. But it's something. And so the episode ends with with Fee and Michael, like, staking out this P.O. box as, like, the camera, like, pulls back. And, like, I'm going to read the the final spy tip voiceover because it's not a good spy tip. So I'm not, like... But I want to, like, read it. Yeah, the final thing that he says is, Intelligence isn't all running around with a gun and a spy camera. Sometimes it means sitting in a car with no air conditioning in downtown Miami. A... You've said this many times. Yeah, this 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 might as well be the fucking tag. Yeah, this might as well be the tagline of Burn Notice. And like, yeah, Matt Nix loves saying it, which again, as I've said, as I've said every time, is contradicted by the show itself, mm-hmm. which is constantly running around with a gun and the spy camera. Well, technically, Michael Weston isn't a spy anymore, so maybe that's true. What he really misses about the spy life is getting to sit behind a desk and not do anything. That's true. Well, that's his thing, because he doesn't want to do anything, ever. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's he's, like, he a misses... real desk writer. Exactly. But, like, the reason I bring it up now is because it feels weirdly like a finale shot. Yeah, uh, like a it, season finale shot? Yeah. Like, even, not quite, but almost like a series finale. Like, where it's, like, restating the theme of the show and, like, pulling back while they sit in, like, in downtown Miami and it's, like, like, yeah, it feels like a weird statement of purpose and, like, like an ending almost, which is very weird for season two, episode four. Yeah, it, it definitely is kind of bizarre. Uh, anyway, speaking of spy tips, let's quickly get through the rest of these spy tips. All right, first, any classified document worth having is going to be redacted, which is, like, Watching, like, a movie on an airplane, the juicy bits are cut out, but you get the idea. Who cares? Uh, I don't think they cut out juicy bits on planes as much anymore. Well, it used to be that, like, you were watching, like... Right, with everyone. Everyone was watching the same screen. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you're still, like, watching... Like, I was... You still definitely can see what someone next to you is watching. And it would be weird. But I don't know. I've never watched a movie on a plane with juicy bits. That's that's for private time. That's for private time. What's the last movie you watched on a plane and did it have juicy bits? Yuck. You, have you not? No, that was a question. Have you, what's the last movie you watched on a plane? Oh, last movie I watched on a plane. Well, mostly the movies I watch on planes, I watch on my own laptop. And there are juicy bits on those because they are uncensored. Like on my way to Utah, I watched like a marathon of rom-coms because I was going to Utah to direct a rom-coms. Last thing I watched was fucking Shazam. It was fine. Anyway, no juicy bits. No but yeah, this is nothing. Bits. This is not a good yeah. tip. Nope, nothing. Um, jobs in agriculture are a great cover. They explain your presence in the field and in the boardroom. Oh. Uh-huh. Mm. I guess. Like, this is on par with the journalism tip from last episode. Yeah. Did we give it last time? Yeah. Because it's like a um, jumping... It's a useful... It yeah, it's a ju- useful jumping off point for someone who might need to come up with a cover identity. That's true. Let's see. You can tell a lot about who's following you by the maneuvers they use. Quick evasive driving. Casual bailout. Feigning car trouble. 
Bad at rickshaws. Oh, these are signs you're dealing with a professional. Smashing a rickshaw, smashing into a rickshaw is a sign that it's an amateur. That's when you've really got a problem. Okay, this is this is not useful. No, and it, you want to know why it's particularly not useful? Why is that? Because I feel like if the person following you is an amateur, that's not when you really have a problem. That makes things easier. It's only when you really have a problem if the person driving the car is your brother, Nate, a known fuck-up. <sighs> oh, so that's nothing. Ruining spy tips since 2007. <laughs> anyway, uh, cultivating intelligence assets usually requires some whining and dining. The more connected somebody is, the more they know, but the more they feel entitled to special treatment. Eh. Mm. Nah, I, I, I don't want to give them this one. Yeah, that's not really practical. Yeah. Smart operatives know how to steer the conversation towards the info they need, but clever assets know how to make the wine and dine phase last as long as possible. Again, this is kind of... It's like the Although, same tip. It is. Although I will say, knowing me, I'm slightly more likely to be a person who's being wined and dined by a spy <laughs> than a spy. So if I'm ever having dinner with a spy, I know to buy expensive shit. But that's not a spy tip. Once again, it's a tip for the for the grifted. That's true. So yeah, it's nothing. Stun guns are great for taking down a larger opponent. But if you use them on someone who's touching you, they'll shock you too. This is super useful. That's very good to know. I wonder if that's true. I would it would I would imagine that it's true. Um, I think it's true. That like it makes sense. Um but yeah, that's a good thing to know. Uh, seven. A lot of people's first instinct when they need information out of a captive is to grab a bat or a gun. Uh, the fact is that torture is for sadists and thugs. Getting useful info is about creating a new reality for the captive with no hope of freedom. You want them confused and disoriented. You have to make them understand that their entire future depends on talking. So that's definitely torture. Yeah, it's still torture. That's still for sure torture, Michael Weston. But it is useful. Like, that's that's a useful bit of information about how to, you know, get information out of somebody without violence. Just like that's a true. different kind of The trick is that the torture violence. should be psychological. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. It's unfortunate but true that no makeup can simulate bruises well enough to stand up to close observation. So if you need to look like you've been beaten, you got to get beaten. It's, I mean... I don't think that's like a tip. Yeah, that's not. That's kind of nothing. Yeah, that's not. All right. It can take a lifetime to get someone to trust you. It's much easier to make them feel like they need you to trust them. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I kind of want to give them this one. I mean, I feel, I feel it. like it's one that we've seen before. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of, like, how to get someone to trust you tips that all boil down to the same thing. I don't know. I feel like this feels slightly different than things we've seen before, but I don't. But I don't have a strong opinion about it. Well, it's, it's like you know, if you want somebody to trust you, like turn it on them, and like you know, like that, like the, yeah, the, I guess you're right. We we've had a version of this a lot of times. Like I, there's enough spy tips left. I feel good about them making their numbers, so I don't feel the need yeah. to give them this one. Sure. All right. A fight is one of the quickest ways to tell that someone is who they say they are. If you say you're Russian but fight like an American, your cover's blown, which means you got to know Sambo 
the mixed martial art of Russia. So <laughs> Sambo itself is not the most useful thing, but I think this is useful. It's like, hey, if you're going to pretend to be someone from a different culture, like to get in with someone from that culture, you need to know shit about it. Like you need to make sure that like even your physicality matches up with the culture that you're attempting to blend into. I do really like when the tips get incredibly specific, though. This yeah, is like too. almost like a make and model level of, of gun level tip. Mm-hmm. And that kind of pushes it over the edge for me. So yeah, yeah. I like it. It's a good one. A thermal camera is great for scouting. You can find warm bodies or places where warm bodies are being hidden. That's literally what a thermal camera is for, bud. Yeah. One issue with dealing with modern criminal gangs is that they're diversified. The heat shielding that you think is hiding people might just be hiding servers. This is also nothing. Yeah, nope. A good interrogator paints a picture of the world outside for the detainee. Whatever he's holding on to, you take away. Their friend, his friends are traitors, the business is going down, etc. Eh, maybe. That's specific. Yeah, sure. Let's give it. All right. There's a lot of good torture tips this week. <laughs> We're learning how to torture effectively. Working an information source is a delicate art. When drinks in good company aren't enough, you have to apply pressure, which means knowing what the source loves. And yeah, this is not. No. This is pointless. Nope. It's hard to convincingly look like you're trying to kill someone when you're not really ki- trying to kill them. One thing you can do is open your fist at the last second before you punch. It's painful, but the force is distributed. A kick to the shoulder is also nice. This seems useful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In the spy game, you spend a lot of time getting people to betray their own. The greatest achievement is to get a guy to betray his own because he thinks he's being loyal. This just seems sadistic. I mean, this whole episode is sadistic. It is. But just really saying, like, oh, man, it's so sweet when they, like, get themselves killed because they're thinking they're doing the right thing. Ugh, just feels so good. Oh, God. That's not a good tip, though. No, that's not a good tip. Yeah, and the last one I read already. It's also nothing. Um, But, yeah, so that's one, two, three, four, five. That's six. Yeah, another overachieving practical spy tip loaded episode. I mean, this makes sense. Like, if nothing else, Nyx knows to deliver the spy tips. Like, that's the thing that he loves. It's true. Like, Matt Nix really, truly believes that, like, practical spy things are the most interesting things in the world. And, like, it worked. it's good that he's running a show about spies because he knows that spies are interesting. Well, like, sometimes he gets in the weeds on spy things and not on, like, drama. Yeah. Or character. But, yeah, you can usually get a lot of good spy tips from Matt Nix. Let's, how do we rate this episode? Um, was this a great episode of Burn Notice? Was there more spycraft or violence? How do spycraft, we feel about definitely. this? Yeah, I think that it was more spycraft. It was definitely more, like, counterintelligence, like... Like, kind of dark shit. I think we got the dark side of Spycraft this week. But it was definitely, like, Spycraft. You know, they were using I mean, there was a lot of mental violence. Games. And, like, you... Again, but it was, like, I like spy violence. I mean, it depends on how you define violence. Sure. 
But it's not like a shoot, like they had a shootout and all these sorts of things. Like yeah, they like true. the the violence was like intellectual violence. Like it was either faked yeah. fights or faked violence or like violence to make a point to make somebody else do something else. Yeah. Like you know, they weren't muscling. It's not like I- a generic action show. Exactly, and nobody like the fact that they didn't you know twenty four beat up Ivan to get the info, like that in and of itself like sets it apart as like a burn notice episode over another kind of procedural. True. Uh, spy tips, we they passed on that. Was there a distinct alias? There was. Yeah, Sergey. Sergey. And were Fee and Sam used well? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sam got to be Uncle Sam. Fee and dropped Fee her el- underwear. And Fee electrocuted herself. <laughs> That's true. Just and got defiance. called one crazy chick. Well, that's that's our girl, one crazy chick. Uh-huh. So yeah, this is a great episode of Burn Notice. Was it a great episode of television? Uh I really enjoyed it. I actually might have liked it better than last week's episode. Granted, because I was just getting to enjoy this episode and not taking notes, that might have influenced it. But like, I don't know. I like it when they get stuck in an area. Like the fact that like they're stuck in this like makeshift jail cell together and like they're playing mind games with each other and like the clock's running out and you know like they have to just get more and more clever with like their limited resources like that's an episode that appeals to me like having to use super limited resources and limited time to like solve a problem like it's the reason that i like apocalypse genre stuff I don't know. There's just something really appealing to me about watching people have to like figure shit out with super limited resources. And that's also competence porn. Yes, it's competence porn. And I like seeing that, but I like seeing competence porn with like really limited options because it like the competence is heightened. You get that real good, thick competence. Oh God. I think this episode, there's a lot to like about this episode. I like the concept. I like episodes where look, that break format even a little, and this does feel like it's breaking format a bit. Like, it's a, it's a different thing than something we've seen before on this show. So I very much enjoy that. I still think I may have liked last week's better just because last week's was more fun. That's fair. Um, like, this episode was very interesting. Um, it wasn't as fun, even with, like, all the Harvey Gunderson shenanigans. Oh, you didn't even mention the fact that after Sam was hung over, the way that he, like, dealt with his headache was that he took a cold yogurt out of the fridge and held it to his head like an ice pack. That's true. I can't believe um, you did not mention the best prop gag in the episode. I think I may have been taking notes then. But yeah, I definitely, yeah. Based on our criteria, you're, you're, you're sounding like you're coming around to it being a great episode of television. I, yeah, I think, like, yeah, I'll give it. Yeah, I'll give it. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a good episode. All right, so that's two episodes in a row that were both great episodes of Burn Notice and great episodes of television. Season two is really knocking it out of the park already. Exactly. I do think if the show keeps up this level of quality, I'm going to have to start getting tougher on it. You're going to have to what? Start getting tougher on it. But yeah, no, this is uh, pretty good. This was a good couple of weeks for Burn Notice. It really um, was. And I'm kind of, and I'm like hoping to see that they keep up the streak. Me too. And you know what? Uh, I, I have faith in them. I've given Daddy Nick's a lot of problems, but you know what? He created a good framework, and when other people are in charge, they do good stuff with it. 
Yeah, exactly. All right, um, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks again to Vincent El for our theme music. Uh, for more, go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. Um, and then uh, tune in next week for another episode of Burn Noticed. And till then, bye. Bye.